Dear ones, I'd like to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've seen them, though you may not have paid much heed to them. You see, they're around us, though oftentimes they're avoided. In fact, Jesus Christ said that they would always be with us. They may not make much noise. They may not draw much attention to themselves, but you need to know they are around. If I go to the rescue mission downtown and observe the men and the women who stand quietly near the building, waiting for mealtime to take place, seeking to draw little attention to themselves, you see, they are around. As part of the intercultural studies program here at this university, I sometimes like to take students with me, entering into the context of New York City as well as Chicago. I want those who accompany me to understand the challenges of ministering within urban areas. One of the things that I ask students to do who travel with me on these trips is goes something like this. I want you to get acquainted with someone who may not have much materially. I would seek to do the exact same thing myself. What's my aim? I want those that are with me, I want myself to get acquainted with those who may be homeless, individuals who may not have much that they possess. We are not just to spend a few seconds saying a short hi to the individual and then move on to the next homeless person. But instead, if the situation allows and if the one we are talking to will allow, we'll sit down with that individual, with him or her, listen, and to chat and to try to fellowship with that individual. You see, I'd like to talk about Sam, one who was visible, yet at the same time was invisible. You see, Sam walked the streets of New York City. On warm nights, he slept outside. Sometimes he would sleep on a picnic table. Other times he slept on a park bench. Most times he slept on the bare ground. On cold nights, he would seek for a spot in a subway station in order to rest his weary body because he did not want to be out in the elements. Or he sought to sleep under bridges so that he would not have to be exposed to the freezing winds that brought uncontrollable shivers throughout his thin, undernourished body. All the earthly possessions he owned, they were in a shopping cart that he pushed around all day long. In fact, very seldom would he allow his eyes to move away from it, knowing that if he let his eyes off of it, someone would come and take it from him. Not much at all that he possessed. He came, he possessed in that cart a little Nestle's purified water plastic bottle, but the original contents were no longer in it. He would take this little bottle and go into little places where he could get water, and he would store the water in this for drinking purposes, or he would come and take the water that he had filled this bottle up with to try to wipe the dirt off his body that had not been, had not had the comfort of being bathed in months whether by means of standing under a shower or sitting in a tub full of warm, soothing water. The Nestle's bottle became useful to be squeezed when conversations that we were having with him were becoming, was becoming a little bit too awkward, a little bit too embarrassing, maybe a little bit too intimately close, maybe a little bit too nosy, and I could hear him taking that bottle in nervousness and crinkling that bottle. Also in his cart, as I looked at it, I noticed that inside his cart, there was a stack of, of outdated newspapers. Why would anyone want to keep yellow, crinkled newspaper? 
When Sam saw my eyes lock on to the stack, even without me articulating verbal words or questioning, he knew what I was thinking. Sam patiently then explained, you see, when it's cold outside, I stuff the papers under my shirt. I stuff them up my pant legs to try to keep warm when the temperature hits the freezing mark. Newspaper serves as a great insulator. What else was in his cart? A cardboard box. Not a very big box. A cardboard box which he would spread out on the ground when he was ready to close the day and sleep. Now, let me tell you, I need to let you know, he didn't keep it this way, otherwise he would be too big. But he, as he put it, sleeping on a cardboard box gives me a sense of dignity. Animals sleep on the bare ground. I am not an animal. I am a human being, and therefore I sleep on cardboard. And then the last thing I observed in this hodgepodge of belongings were a bunch of plastic bags. For on rainy days, Sam would place one of them over his head to prevent himself from becoming drenched. Then with a smile on his face, he also shared, bundle plastic bags up together, stuff them into one bag, and they make a very nice pillow to lay one's head upon to be able to go to sleep. You see, as I continued to converse with Sam, my heart really became very convicted. For out of the blue, he then stated, I am so thankful today. Why is that so, Sam? Well, I had enough money to have one meal. I found a few coins when I was walking the streets, and I picked them up, and as I was picking it up, someone saw me doing so and gave me a few dollars. What a treat to be able to eat a cheeseburger with some French fries. Then he continued and explained. He said, you need to realize that there are some days that I do not eat at all, times when I have no money to spend on food. There are days that I'm so hungry that I will sneak into some of these fast food restaurants around us, grab a few packets of ketchup or mustard, and then open those packets and squeeze the contents into my mouth. I tell you, I am so thankful today, he said. Are you being serious, Sam, that you're thankful? Why, sure. It ain't raining outside. It's miserable for us homeless people when it's raining. Sleeping when you're soaking wet is a horrible thing. I'm so thankful today, he said. Why, Sam? Because you stopped and took time to notice me and to talk to me, talking to me as an equal and not just as some no-good bum. You see, Sam had so little, and yet he was so thankful that same day, as I thought back upon it, I had whined and I had complained and I had grumbled. I didn't like the eggs that had been served to our group. I wanted bacon and not sausage patties. The orange juice did not have any pulp in it, and so it seemed fake to me. I want you to know what made me miserable that day is that I had stepped into a massive dog pile which definitely messed my attitude. All day long, I carried around with me a distinctive smell. I thought to myself, why are people so inconsiderate? Why can't they clean up after their own pets? <laughs> you see, I was that day a thankless grouch, not the aroma of a thankful Christian witness. As I read my Bible, though, I come along and I see over and over there are three words that are repeated over and over. And in there it's a short sentence that is repeated over and over. 
I want you to know that my message today does not contain any new or revolutionary teaching, but it's just a simple reminder to our academic community. The three words stand alone and expresses the message in which I'm seeking to convey to each one of us, and that message is, be ye thankful. You see, there are times that we need messages which present just simple reminders and not profound, deeply theological truth. The Bible describes the Christian life in many, many different ways. It describes it as a race, a long and arduous contest, like an Olympic marathon that demands all of our energies and requires great powers of endurance if we are to reach the goal and win the victor's crown. The Bible tells me that the Christian life, it is warfare, a spiritual warfare, a fierce, unrelenting battle with the forces of evil that seek to destroy us. But dear ones, you've heard me say this over and over, but in Jesus Christ, we live in victory. It is a crucifixion and resurrection, a death of, to sin and self and a supernatural rebirth to the eternal life in God. It is a discipleship, a rigorous process of learning and training and growth into Christ-likeness of character. The Christian life, it is a stewardship, a responsible management of all of our powers and abilities, our time, our money, our opportunities, all done for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom on earth. And so the Christian life, it's many things. But let me focus on one that we know but tend to forget or to live out. The Christian life should also be a song of thanksgiving, a glad and joyous hymn of praise to the Almighty. Christians really should be thankful people. I want to share three simple truths, and then I'm going to ask you to respond. Number one. I want to spend a few moments talking about the call to be thankful. You see, in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, it rings forth with the summons for each one of us who claims to know Jesus Christ, that we are called to be thankful individuals. The psalmist cries out, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. In Psalm 100, which is very familiar to many of you, it states, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Can I share? I can change that. And I change it to contextualize it. Enter into the chapel auditorium during chapel time with hearts of praise and thanksgiving. In fact, Jesus Christ asked the question, Where are the nine? When only one of ten lepers he had healed, a despised Samaritan returned to express his gratitude. Hear the sadness of his voice, of the voice of Jesus Christ. Was no one found to return and give thanks except this foreigner? Capture the tone of disappointment that Jesus Christ had at human ingratitude. You see, this disappointment is, much, is as much a revelation of the Father's heart as anything our Lord ever said or did. God looks for the four and he delights in the thanksgiving of his people. And so if this is so, should not you and I then delight in giving it to him? It has been said, ungratefulness is a sign that we are not in sync with our Savior. Number two. The cause for thanksgiving. 
You see, the impulse to be thankful lies in the words of the psalmist when he states, be thankful for all God's benefits that he has showered upon us. You see, we can be thankful for spiritual blessings. Aside from my precious Savior, Jesus Christ, who obviously tops the list, here are other spiritual blessings in which I am grateful for. I'm thankful for the process God uses to grow people. I'm thankful that God brings us along at a pace which, like everything he does, is what's best for us. I'm thankful that he's still working on and in and, and through me. I'm thankful for the opportunities to be able to play a role in God's story. What a wonderful blessing it is to be able to impact the events of human existence and to be able to help guide people into salvation by introducing them to the great Savior. I'm thankful for the simple nature of the good news of Jesus Christ. That if there's a theme of the gospel, it's simplicity in Jesus Christ. Just ad living here, adding a thought. I think sometimes, even in an academic situation like here, we can complicate Christianity. I'm thankful that every time I read my Bible, I can discover something new that God has placed there a long, long time ago. It's amazing how consistent it is that when I read, God teaches me. I'm thankful for new songs that touch my heart in special ways. You see, I love old hymns, but I very much enjoy the way my heart also emotes when I hear new spiritual songs that speak. And again, allow me to ad-lib. I've shared this many times. There are times when I'm singing some of the contemporary songs that Jim Lowe is not the best dancer in the world, but there are days that Jim Lowe wants to dance in the Lord. I wish more of you would do that. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ gave us the church. I'm thankful that God has shown me in his word that worship is a lifestyle that is not confined to just one style. I'm thankful for Christ-minded brethren and sisters who keep me from feeling alone in this world. I'm thankful that I can have a vibrant relationship with the master. You see, that's my list. But what's your list? Can I share, we can also be thankful for material blessings. You've heard this part before. For the food in which we eat, for the clothes in which we wear, for the homes in which we live in. We can be also thankful for physical blessings, for good health, freedom from pain, freedom from sickness. Each heartbeat or breath of life can be a reason to give thanks to the one who created us. You see, dear ones, we can be thankful for external blessings, blessings not directly related to us, but still deserving our expression of appreciation. Charisma News had an article titled, 10 Basic Blessings That You Should Be Thankful For. I'm going to share in summary what the article stated. Number one, you got clean water? The next time you uncap a bottle of water or grab a drink from the tap, remember that one in eight people in the world, which means 884 million people lack access to clean water supplies. Number two, got a bathroom to use, got a toilet to use? About 40% of the world's population, 2.6 billion people, have no toilets. Lack of sanitation facilities spreads disease and is a major reason why more than 2 million people die annually because of diarrhea. Number three, got electricity? 1.6 billion people, a quarter of humanity, live without any electricity at all. And because of unreliable infrastructures, at least 2 billion people on earth don't have any light at night. Number four, got a roof over your head? 
One billion people live in slums. That's almost one-sixth of the world's population. Got food on your table? According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. Approximately 790 million people in the developing world are chronically undernourished, and almost 28% of all children in developing countries are estimated to be underweight or stunted in their growth. Got a stove that you use? In developing countries, some 2.5 billion people use fuel, wood, charcoal, or animal dung to meet their energy needs for cooking. The indoor air pollution resulting from the use of solid fuels that claims the lives of around 1.5 million people every single year, more, more than half of them below the age of five. Number seven, got a regular income? At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. Number eight, got a school to attend? About 72 million children of primary school age in the developing world are not in school. Number nine, got good health? More than 2.2 million children die each year because they are not immunized. An estimated 40 million people in developing countries are living with AIDS. Every year, they tell me that there are 350 to 500 million cases of malaria with 1 million fatalities on a continent of Africa. Number 10, got freedom to worship God? They tell me that more than 400 Christians die for their faith every day around the world. You see, dear ones, we really do have so much to be thankful for. Amen? And then we must not lose sight of the fact that one can also be thankful for the valleys and sometimes the hard times that we go through. Some of you older ones may remember the name Andre Crouch. Just kind of giving you a background. I became interested in Andre after I heard him share his testimony. He was in a church, and inside the church, they no longer had a pianist for whatever reason. And so he wanted to have music inside his church. And according to his testimony, he got down on his knees when he was fairly young. And this is what he said to God. He said, Lord, if you will give me the gift of playing the piano, I will use it for your glory. He then got behind the piano without any lessons at all, began playing beautiful music. Can I share? That's the kind of God I serve. I wish he would do that for me, though. He wrote a song years ago that was entitled, Through It All. Listen to some of the lyrics. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. And there's been times I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. And then the chorus states, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Stanza two. I've been to lots of places and I've seen a lot of faces. There's been times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was his own. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms in which he's brought me through. For if I had never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God would solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Point number three. The Bible also tells us about the characteristics of thanksgiving. How do we express our gratitude to God 
but we are to express it with words. The author of Hebrews says that through Jesus Christ, we should continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of words that acknowledges the name of the Almighty. You know this already. But I just do not feel that we at this community use words enough to give thanks unto God. I love academia. I'm an academic person. But you need to realize I begin catching myself becoming so critical because I'm taught to have critical eyes to see things that before long I forget that I am to also be a person that gives thanksgiving unto God. I recognize that words can be notoriously cheap and just saying I'm thankful to the Lord is not enough because it needs to originate from within our heart. The Maasai tribe of West Africa have an unusual way of saying thank you. Translators tell us that when the Maasai express thanks, that they come along, they get down upon their knees. And then they come and they bow their head and they put their foreheads upon the ground. And as they put their head upon the ground, they come along and state, my head is in the dirt. Another African tribe expresses gratitude by going and sitting a long time in front of the hut of the person who has done some form of kindness to that individual. And the person then, when he sees the person that has been so kind, will make the statement, I sit on the ground before you. You see, dear ones, these Africans understand well that Thanksgiving is and what Thanksgiving is and why it is difficult for some to do. For at its core, Thanksgiving is an act of humility. What are the characteristics of being thankful? It's being humble before God. It's being willing to take actions and saying, hey, I'm not going to keep this stuff just within myself, but I'm going to express it with words. We are to thank God, and we are to also be thankful for those that God sends our ways. Well, among the Tulsa believers in Africa that Rox and I had the opportunity of ministering to, In some of the worship services, they would come along and they would give time whereby Christians are given opportunity to verbally shout out as loud as they can what they're thankful to God for. In fact, they start out with a phrase that goes like this, mighty God, I thank you for, and then they will come along and list some of the things that they're thankful for. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Will you do me a favor? For a few moments, I want you to imagine yourself worshiping among African brothers and sisters, among those of the closer tribe. Imagine with me that you have arrived to the part of the worship service when the sacrifice of thanksgiving is to take place. I want you to allow those who are seated around you to grow dim, because some of you won't do this because you're thinking about what the person next to you is thinking about you. I want you to then to come along and at the given time, I want you to shout out something that you can thank the Lord for. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to start out by saying, mighty God, I thank you for, and then I want you to shout out. Now, dear ones, do me a favor. Get into this. Because if I come along and I say, and, we, and I say, mighty God, I thank you for, and no one says anything, I'm going to feel very foolish. And you don't want me to feel foolish. Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> and so... I'm going to start out, and then I want you to say with me, Mighty God, I thank you for, then shout out. Will you say it with me? Mighty God, I thank you for. Hey, that sounded good, but a bunch of you are a bunch of hams as well. I'm going to ask the worship team, though, to come forward, because now I'm going to go to the next step.
I'm going to ask you to put feet and legs onto your reflective thoughts for reasons that you're thankful. I believe that there are some of you that really probably need to come into the presence of God because you recognize that your life has not been very thankful. And you need God, the Holy Spirit, to help you to be thankful. Can I share the kneelers are a wonderful place for you to come along and talk to God and to ask him to help you to have that thankful heart. But also in the front here, you will notice that we have put some sheets of paper which is utensils for you to write. This is what we're asking you to do. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand up? And as the worship team leads us in songs of praise and thanksgiving, this is what I'm asking you to do. Will you come along and move out of your seats and quickly write down something that you can thank the Lord for? And Jennifer has shared with me that she is, they're going to be posting that somewhere so that you can see how this community gives thanks to God. And so, dear ones, let's worship the Lord with songs. And part of worship is giving thanks to him. Will you respond to the nudging of the Spirit of God?